Amen. Thank you so much for that song. Uh, once again, it's good to hear it again. It makes me wonder how many. It makes me wonder how many Christians are holding on to something, whether they don't know that they can get rid of it. Maybe they maybe they're holding on to it because they feel like somehow God's going to be impressed because of the burden that you bear, and that's not God's plan. God's plan is for you to give it up, give up that burden, whatever it is. Um, let Him carry it. Let Him carry you. Amen. I had. Uh, Brother Carson, I had him read Isaiah 41, uh, but that's not actually where I'm going to be starting. That's going to be closer to where I'm ending uh, uh, this evening. And so if you want to hold your finger there, you can, but we're going to be turning to a lot of scripture. So we're just going to come back to Isaiah chapter 41 at a certain point. If you want to turn to Isaiah 48, just a few pages over in verse 13, that's actually where I'm going to get started this evening. A couple years ago, I had the privilege to teach a few years in a row, actually, the privilege to teach Bible class uh, for Heritage Baptist Academy, and it was a real uh, it was a real eye-opening experience to be able to do that. To have to um, because we don't have we, we don't use or at least I didn't uh, use uh, a Becca's Bible curriculum for junior high and high school, and so you kind of had to say, well, what are we going to talk about this year and lesson plan and actually basically write a a textbook, write uh, enough material to cover in the course of the year. And I talked to my dad the first year that I preached or uh, taught, it is preaching, but, uh, but uh, taught Bible class. Um, uh, and I said, what sorts of topics should I do? And he said, you know, you'll get a lot out of talking about the, the attributes of God. He said, the, the physical and spiritual attributes of God, I promise you. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, because I took a, you know, I took Bible college, we went over those sorts of things, and um, systematic theology, you cover some of those sorts of things. And, and I thought, is there really a full year worth, a full year's worth of that information? Yes, there is. Oh, yes, there is. We didn't even come close to, fi- uh, to finishing that year. And I don't know if there's anybody in here who was a part of that. Maybe there was. Uh, uh, I don't remember exactly who was in that room the first year um, that I taught that. But uh, uh, anyways, and one particular subject that jumped out to me among a lot of them while we were going through that was uh, when we talked about the physical attributes of God. And, and I sort of went through and I talked about the eyes of God. And I talked about the feet of God, how he draws nigh to you, like Pastor Bish mentioned this morning. Um, but the hands of God, the hands of God have always been something that, that, that compels me to study. And one of the first things is because I'm a math guy a little bit, and I, I enjoy verses that really put things into perspective for you, because we know that God is formless, and yet, he is whatever he needs to be. Uh, God allowed his uh, back to be seen by Moses. And so we know that he can be a, a physical form if he wishes to. But we also know that he exists outside of that. And it can be very confusing to talk about. But, but um, uh, Isaiah 48 verse 13 says this. It says, My hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. Uh, a span, as Pastor Bish has used many times in illustration, is the distance between uh, the tip of your thumb to the tip of your p- pinky finger when you spread them out like this. And it's about equal distance if you actually measure it from your wrist to your, the top of your middle finger. If you, if you measure it, almost everybody, it's the same, very close to the same uh, uh, length there. So that's another way that you can measure it. Um, 
And so I found this very interesting, assuming that this verse is talking about his hands literally span all of known creation. And by the way, we, have all, we, have, we are constantly uncovering new uh, and farther reaches of our universe. But currently, at the current number, uh, scientists have estimated that the universe is currently 94 billion light years wide. All right, from one side to the other, from the measurable distance, the farthest thing they can see this way to the farthest thing they can see this way, 94 billion light years. Um, and so uh, if you, uh, if you, uh, were to, again, like I said, the, uh, and then I did this, I, just because I'm curious, and I wanted to see what the average ratio between the distance between uh, your, the span of your hand and your height, just because I was curious, all right? Uh, and it's approximately one in nine. It's a little bit more than that, but it's approximately one in nine, one in 10, somewhere around in there. And so with a light year measuring at 5.88 trillion miles per light year, and assuming that 94 billion light years and assuming then multiplying times the ratio that I found, that would mean that the height of God as it stands currently with the known universe is one duodecillion miles, which is one followed by 39 zeros. <laughs> um, and just, to, just to put it into perspective, and sometimes I feel, you know, these verses that God throws in there, it's just, just, God just wants you to know he's really, really big, all right? And he really, really can take care of anything that you've got going on. And just to put it into perspective, if you thought the universe makes you look small, just consider the fact that the Bible describes God as being 10 times the size of our known universe. And so, uh, uh, anyways, just 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 something that I thought of, but uh, my first point has to do with that, and that is the, uh, the parameters of his hands. That's not entirely the accurate, accurate use of the word, but Mr. Triller will appreciate that all five of my points tonight are alliterated, and so uh, the parameters of his hands, they compel me to believe that they can take care of me. Those hands, they can, they can take care of me. Something else that compels me to believe that, that he can take care of me is the power of his hands, the power of his hands. Uh, turn over to Luke chapter one, verse 37. I love it when people pose this question, and I've only had it asked by somebody, uh, uh, I've, I heard it as an illustration all my life, but it actually happened to me once where I knocked on somebody's door out sawning, and they said the age old question, can God make a rock so big that even he can't pick it up? And the answer to that question is yes. That's the answer to that question. God can make a rock so big that even God can't pick it up. And then he would pick it up. And that's the answer to the question. And the answer to the question is yes to both of those things because Luke 1.37 says this, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. His power is unlimited. There is nothing beyond his ability to do and his hands have no adversary. There's no one who can get in the ring with God and defeat, uh, and defeat his right hook, amen? Uh, so uh, turn over to Genesis chapter two, verse number seven. We're gonna go to a lot of places tonight. Genesis chapter two, verse number seven. The first thing that I noticed that he has the power to do is the power to create, the power to create with his hands. Genesis two, seven says this, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Out of all his creation, he spoke into existence. He spoke into existence. He spoke into existence. And then he came to man and he said, this is special. Man is special. This is going to be special. This, I'm going to put a living soul into this creation. And so he got down and he formed man 
out of the dust of the ground. And when it was time for a woman to be created, he took that rib from Adam and made a woman with his hands. And so a special creation deserved a special means of creation. And so I noticed that God has the power to create. Uh, the second thing that I noticed God has the power to do is to correct. Turn to uh, Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. God has the power to create. God also has the power to correct with his hands. And thank goodness for this because a lot of us would have uh, 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 been uh, long, long since forgotten if it weren't for God's ability to correct us with his hands. Uh, Jeremiah 18 and verse one, and I've actually preached a sermon from this passage before. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. The Bible says, uh, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. It was ruined. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. He says, I can do whatever I want with that clay, but if you'll yield it to me, I know you messed up, I know that there's a problem there, but if you'll yield it to me, if you'll give your life to the hands of the potter, I will make you again a new vessel. I will, I will fix that problem. And, and Daniel and I just had the opportunity to sing about that. Daniel picked a wonderful song uh, about my testimony, and that was absolutely not meant to be a rip or a slam on somebody who does not have that testimony. It was, that song was saying, hey, we'd like to let you know that you know, our, our testimony, while not as flashy, while you don't put it on the cover of a book, all right, it is, it is flashy because the Lord is involved, because, because he was the one who, who redeemed us. And so that's what that song was. It was not meant to be, uh, it was not meant to be uh, anything but that. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how far you've strayed, no matter how far you've gone, you are one clear thought away. You're one prodigal son moment away from returning to the hands of the potter, from being remade into a vessel that can be used uh, for his glory. And so uh, God has the power not just, to, uh, not just to create, but also to correct that which we have messed up. And uh, so uh, turn over to uh, Ecclesiastes uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 18. Ecclesiastes 18, God has the power to create. He has the power to correct. He also has the power to control. He has the power to control with his hands. Ecclesiastes 18 and verse one says this, he that liveth forever hath created all things in general. The Lord only is righteous and there is none other but he who governeth the world with the palm of his hand and, by, and all things obey his will for he is the king of all by his power dividing holy things among them, uh, among them from profane. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world today. Uh, I got, had the opportunity to preach to the teenagers um, uh, a, a little while ago, and I said to them, I said, I am sorry. I am sorry for the world that you have to grow up in, the things that you have to face and hear about and struggle with. And for many of us who are adults already, those things that we're well established in that are not normal to us because we've witnessed the change in our world around us, they've not witnessed the change. That's something that's been a part of their world from day one. 
And so to them, the idea of talking about a world in, in, in which immodesty and immorality and, and uh, 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 the definition of man and woman, all right, that's their world. That's, that's just where they've grown up. They don't know a world where that's even, you know, something, you know, we, we, I grew up in a world in which it existed, but it was the outlier. It was the thing that everybody shunned and everybody, we don't talk about that. And, and even amongst the, the world, that was the way it was treated. And it is completely flip-flopped the other way. And, and sometimes our young people feel like they're outnumbered on every side. And I'm here to tell you something, young people and adults in here, God's in control. He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. His hand is guiding the wheels of history. He knows exactly where this thing is headed and he knows exactly what needs to happen and you can trust the hands of God that he's going to control uh, uh, this world in the direction that it needs to go. Daniel chapter two, verse 21. You can turn there if you wish. It's a famous verse. The Bible says, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. God knows what's going on. Again, uh, uh, who's in charge, what they're doing, all of those things, whether they realize it or not, they're subject to the control of the hands of God. And so he has the power to create, the power to correct, and the power to control. Amen. But the third thing that I notice about the hands of God, not just, uh, the, uh, not just the parameters, not just, uh, not just uh, uh, the, I've already lost my place, amen? And not just the power of his hands, but also the provision of his hands, the provision uh, of his hands. He, he's called our heavenly father for a reason, and that's because it's in his very nature to give. Uh, it wasn't just for salvation. It wasn't, he has a desire to love you, to, to, to give to you, to bless you. It is, it's his desire. He doesn't do that with, a, uh, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't do, the Bible says he does it liberally, amen? And so he provides with his hands. And, and I can tell you that my, my own testimony as a father, the first time that I got to hold Natalie, the very first time that I got to hold her and look into her eyes in that exact moment, I would have given anything I had anything at all to her uh, uh, because I wanted her to, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I wanted her to have a better life than what I have. I wanted her to have a closer walk to, with the Lord than, you know what I mean? I wanted her to have the very best possible start to her life. And that's the way God feels about you. After you get saved, he wants to bless. He wants to bestow. He wants to provide for you. And so I've written down a few things here that I believe God wants to provide for us. Uh, the first thing is our daily needs. Turn to Luke chapter 11. Back to Luke chapter 11, our daily needs. God wants to provide for us. The Bible says this, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Amen. This is something that we all know, something that we pray. Give us this day our daily bread right there in the Lord's prayer. And uh, uh, many of us probably pray that from time to time or read through that and, and, and make that our prayer. But it's true, but it's absolutely true. Uh, 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 he says, if, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts, how much better, 
How much better shall the heavenly Father, uh, shall your heavenly Father give unto you? Uh, and again, if, if one of my kids came to me and they asked me for something and I thought about it and it was in my power and I knew that it was good for them, I would find, I would find a way to get that for them. Um, it reminds me of a story that this, this idea of being hungry uh, uh, and your father caring for you reminds me of a story. Uh, we were at... Um, uh, we were at Hershey Park in Pennsylvania, which is uh, uh, a, an amazing place. And this is when I was a teenager. Uh, we went there and we did this, um, uh, we, we stayed all day and we were only going to be there for one day. So we wanted to pack in as much as we, possible could, as we possibly could. And my dad, I love him. I love him. And I've got a little bit of this gene, but I love him. But he's, he's a cheapskate. All right. He was, he was, uh, but he, he did some awesome things, but he was again, a little bit of a math guy and he would always figure out, you know, this is the perfect efficient amount of time for us to be here and we'll stop at this restaurant on the way home. And that'll be, you know, we can, we can get one kid's meal and we can split this and split this, you know, and you say, oh, he figured that out while he was at the park. He figured that out four weeks before and made an itinerary to stop at McDonald's on the way back to the hotel. That's, that's the way that he was. I'm, I'm not like that at all. I, I, you know, fly by the seat of the pants a lot. All right. And so I enjoy it even. It's fun. All right. But <laughs> to be honest with you, but, but he, but that's the way that he was. He was, he was, he was very organized like that. And so he made this plan and I don't remember exactly where he wanted to stop, but we stayed all the way up till park closed because we we're going to get every ounce out of that, you know, 40, $45 ticket, whatever it was. We're going to get every ounce of fun out of that. And we stayed and we, skipped lunch and we skipped dinner because Hershey Park charges more for the meal than it does for the ticket to get inside the park. And so, uh, and so we're, you know, dad, we're hungry. Dad, you know, you know, and he said, well, we were, as soon as the park closes, I know exactly where we're going to go. Just hang on just a little bit, guys. You can get your fill, right? And we're like, okay. And we pull up to, and I don't remember, it was a fast food place. We pull up to it and guess what? It was closed all of the restaurants in Hershey were closed. And so we're, now we're driving back to the hotel and we're looking this way, that way, looking for any sign lit up on the highway, right? And so uh, my dad, he notices a golden corral sign uh, that was turned on. And, uh, and he notices this golden corral sign and he, he, he goes, it, the light's on, let's give it a shot. You know, it was a couple miles off the highway. Again, he was like that too, calculating how many minutes and how many, you know, uh, but, but we got off the, we got off the, the highway and, and we got in there and we got in there right before close. I mean, they're, they're getting ready to turn off the lights. Some sweet, kind people saw us, probably saw the fact that how hungry we were, how, you know, and let us come in and they uncovered everything and they let us get, and we ate so much food and they were so kind to us. They stayed and they just stayed there. And some of them were even just standing by the door waiting for us to finish up so they could lock up. The only lights that were on were the ones over our table and over the one buffet section that were on. And we were shoveling in food. We were shoveling it in. And what does that have to do with this? Not a whole lot, but it popped into my head and I want to tell you the story. But, but it does have to do with it a little bit in, in, that, in that my dad had a strong desire for us. He had a strong desire for us to be fed. He felt bad. He felt miserable, in fact, that he could not provide that for us in that moment. And, uh, and so God, how much more so does God want to take care of, uh, of us? Uh, so much more than that. Uh, and when we come to him, he's not limited by closed signs. He's not limited by time. He's not limited. If he can provide it for you, he will provide it for you. If it's what you need in your life, do not be afraid to ask God. His hand is unstoppable. He can provide whatever you need. Amen. Uh, uh, he can also provide us direction, direction. Amen. Uh, uh, turn to first Peter five and verse six. 
provide you with direction in your life. Uh, he can guide us like a shepherd does, amen? Uh, like a shepherd guides with, his, with that crook, right, and grabbing a, a sheep around the neck and pulling it along, amen? He can, he can guide us. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. He's, he has a timeline. He has a plan. He knows when you need to be, uh, he knows when you need to be uh, uh, where you need to be. He has a plan for you. You can trust him that he will guide you with his hand, Amen. Uh, he will provide you deliverance. He'll provide deliverance. Psalm 63 and verse 8, if you want to turn there. Psalm 63, verse 8 says this My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. Amen. And so he can provide deliverance from that situation. Like I mentioned before, he's, he's faithful to correct you, but you find yourself in a bad situation. He's faithful to lift you up. Psalm 40, verse 2. Famous passage of scripture, the Bible says, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings, amen? When I was in a place where I could not get out, when I was in an horrible pit, as the Bible describes it here, that I could not climb out of on my own, he was faithful to reach down and to lift me up out of that horrible pit. He can provide deliverance. And lastly, he also provides something we don't like in the moment, but we need, and that's discipline. He provides discipline to us. Psalm 111 and verse 7, just a couple pages over there. Psalm 111 verse 7 says this, The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. Uh, he is a just God. He is a God that, dish, that, that, uh, that uh, 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 passes judgment with his hands. And again, like a father... And there have been many times where, uh, uh, you know, my wife and I, we've had the conversation where we've talked about, okay, you know, uh, uh, one of our kids, they've done something wrong. What should be the punishment for this? We sit down, we talk to them. You know, how many warnings? You know, there's a, there's a whole, you know, uh, 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 we want them to learn. We want them to learn, but we also want them to know their consequences. Their consequences for the wrong that you do. And so uh, uh, God, I'll tell you this, God is the master of that of knowing when your heart needs correcting and when your heart needs uh, loving and guiding. And, and so he provides discipline. Hebrews 12 and verse six says this, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you're being chastened by the Lord, count it a blessing, it means you're one of his. It means you're one of his children. As the Bible says, uh, uh, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you're, if you're being, cha uh, uh, not chastised, but if you're being corrected, uh, uh, chasteneth by the Lord, then you can rest assured that you are a child of his. He has no interest in, in, in chastising or passing judgment on, on a child of the devil. They're not his kids, amen? And so you can, you can rest in that thought. Correct it get it right with the Lord, but rest in that thought that, amen, thank you, Lord, for doing that. It's good to know that I have a heavenly father who watches out for me, amen? Uh, so uh, not only do we, we see the parameters, the power, and the provision, but we also see his protection, the protection of his hands. And this is my favorite thought uh, to think about, but John chapter 10 and verse 28, John chapter 10, verse 28, if you would, please. I'm gonna read through a couple passages of scriptures really quickly here, and then we're gonna to get to Isaiah 41. John chapter 10, verse 20, it says, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, 
As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You can rest assured that if God's got you held tightly in the palm of his hand, there's no getting out of there. Amen. Uh, uh, he's got you protected. He's got you surrounded on all sides. And, and much like in the book of, of Job, the Bible says that Satan came to, uh, uh, to God and, and, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yeah, you've got a hedge around that guy. All right. Uh, amen. Uh, 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 even the devil knew that it was worthless to try to, to, to try to stop that. God had to physically say, no, devil, all right, I'll let you. All right. And you say, what if that happens to me? I know I don't have the faith of Job. I don't think God's picking me in that. But amen. But if, if you think you do, maybe that's something to worry about. But, but amen. But, but he's got you uh, uh, in the palm of his hand and no man shall be able to pluck you out. Isaiah 49, 16 says this. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of, of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. I've graven thee. I have inscribed. I've carved into my hand your name. There's a place for you right there my hands, and, uh, and no man is going to be able to remove you, uh, remove you from that. Psalm 89 verse 13 says, uh, says this, thou hast a mighty arm, strong as thy hand, and high as thy right hand. And I always like to picture this, strong, strong as thy hand and high as thy right hand. If you ever played, you know, uh, I was very short, so I never got a chance to play this game, but for you tall people, all right, out there, uh, a game of keep away with a bunch of short people where you're holding it up like this and going, oh, good try, you gotta jump higher, okay. All right, you see, you know, some uncle or some dad, you know, playing with his kids and, and playing keep away with something all the kids want, they're all jumping like, you, you know what I mean? And I picture in this verse, God, he's got a strong hand, and he holds it up here and he goes, all right, good luck. All right, good luck. Good luck to you. Amen. Uh, Psalm 138 verse seven says this, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies and thy right hand shall save me. Amen. He can protect you. Uh, go ahead and turn back to Isaiah chapter 41 now. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. I want you to pay attention to the specific wordings of this because I'm gonna try to walk you through an illustration in just a moment that really changed my viewpoint on how God leads us and how he protects us as we go through our Christian life. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will withhold, uh, uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So this is important. With God's right hand is where he's going to uphold thee. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee uh, shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them, even them that contend with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. All right, God is unstoppable. Anything that's in his way, he's gonna clear the path for us. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. I'll hold thy right hand. Go ahead and turn over to Deuteronomy chapter one and verse 30. Deuteronomy chapter one and verse 30 says, says this, the Lord your God which goeth before you, in front of you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And now normally when, when, you have, when you're hand in hand with somebody, if my wife and I are walking, if we're on a date or we're just, we're just walking around, we hold hands side by side. 
Of course, I would probably use my left or right hand and she would use the opposite if we're standing side by side. Natalie, can you come, can you come help me for a moment? All right, she's a little nervous about this, but Natalie's gonna come help me for a moment. So that would be she and I walking with our, with our hands side by side like this. But the Bible says that the Lord goeth before us. He's in front of us. He's not side by side. As he battles for us, he goes before. And also the Bible says that his right hand holds our right hand, like a handshake. I'll see, how can I go in front like this, right? And go before you with my arm all twisted around, or maybe I go like this, okay? Uh, that's really confusing. Well, that, that got, you know, uh, and I, I heard this illustration from a man uh, uh, who worked in our Bible college, and he, and he taught this, and, and, and it was just very revealing to me. See, here's what God does. God goes before us. He steps, and he holds our right hand in his like this. And his left hand, which in the Bible is called the left hand, is called the hand of judgment. It goes before, and he clears the way, and he fights for us before us in front of us like this while holding our hand. And see, this is important for you to know because not only does she not have to fight the battle, not only does she get a hand to hold on to, but she doesn't even have to worry about it. She can't even see what's going on up here. She's totally oblivious to the conflict that normally a Christian would feel like they have to fight on their own or struggle through on their own. And because God, which I just mentioned, I don't know if you caught, one duo decillion miles tall, that's a pretty big wall to look around, all right, is standing in front of you, is holding your hand and standing in front of you. She is completely shielded from all of that, right? Amen? Good job. Awesome. Amen. And, and so uh, the first time I heard that, I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible because not only, not only does God fight the battle for you, not only does he do it while comforting you, holding your hand, guiding you, saying this is the direction we're gonna go, you can rest assured that when you walk with me, when you hold my hand, we are going where you're supposed to be going. Not only that, but you can't see, any, you can't see anything that, that uh, would trouble you, that would beset you, that would worry you. Like they mentioned before, the burdens that you'd have to leave behind, those things. When you hold God's hand, when you trust him and you hold your right hand in his, you can just trust him. You can just follow him. You can just enjoy. By the, time, by the time you even realize and understand what God's been doing, the battle is over. The battle is over. You've made your way through and you'll be able to turn around and see that God took care of it for you and, and that he, he fought the battle for you, amen? And so he protects us. He protects us that way. So resting, that's the key is resting in that provision, that protection of his hand is what leads us to the peace that passes all understanding that I, I love to preach about, amen? And I'm, I'm just about finished this evening. I have one more point that I'd like to, to, to uh, draw your attention to, and that is that not only do we see the parameters of his hands, the power, the provision, the protection, but also the piercing of his hands, the piercing of his hands. Because those same hands that I've been talking about this whole message are the same hands that belong to the Son of God. So the Son of God is God every bit as much and that same God, that's those same hands that provide for you, that protect for you, uh, they're the same hands that were laid down willingly on the cross of Calvary. They're the same hands that said, I love you, and that I, and, and, uh, I'd be willing to die for you. They're the same exact hands. Uh, John chapter 20 and verse 24. John chapter 20, verse 24. This is doubting Thomas finally getting the proof that he was looking for. The Bible says, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciple therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. 
But he said unto them, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the prints of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither my, uh, thy hand and thrust it in my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. That's the other thing that I wanna point out is this. When you learn to walk with the Lord and you hold that hand, you remember the sacrifice. You live holding on to those nail-pierced hands. You wake up every day and you remember the sacrifice of our Savior because you've decided that you're going to hold on to that hand. And every day you get a reminder of that. And every day you get started on the right foot and you say, if God loved me so much that he was willing to die on a cross for me, I am willing to live for him today. If God loved me so much that he was willing to lay down those hands for me, I am willing to do whatever it takes to please my Savior. And you get that reminder. And so holding, hand, holding uh, uh, God's hand is a reminder to us of that sacrifice. It's a reminder to us that those same hands that loved us enough to die for us, they're the same hands that'll protect us, that'll provide for us, that, that, that have the power to take care of our needs, whatever that we need, amen? And again, not meant to be, like often, I'm not very an expositorial preacher, a very topical preacher, I know that. It's not meant to be crazy deep, but just a reminder to us about the power of the hands of God. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you.